you as he comes and then he'll soon be going to our um, Northern Beaches location because we are winning Sydney, a city for Christ, which means that we, we share, all right? We share amongst our locations so we can get the good work out everywhere. Pastor John and Danielle are two of my greatest heroes. And I'm not just bragging for bragging's sake. I really respect this great man and woman of God. In fact, I look to them. I look at the leadership gift on their life. I look at the integrity in which they serve our nation as national C3 directors for our nation. And I look to them and I'm gleaning from them. In fact, I was in their church, Kawana Waters on the beautiful Sunshine Coast earlier this year. And I'm just looking, I'm taking notes. I'm just drinking it all in because I want Silverwater to go where Kawana Waters is. I believe Silverwater is hot on the hills of Kawana Waters. <laughs> And so I'm gleaning all the gold that I can. And I'm not kidding. I went on a mission. I I told Pastor John this, to look for one dysfunctional person. I couldn't find them anywhere. All I saw was healthy, whole, robust, upright people, amazing men and women. Church, can we please be upstanding as we welcome Pastor John tonight as he brings the word. Thanks, Dad. You're too kind. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Awesome. God bless you. You can, uh, you can grab your seat. It's my absolute privilege to be in the mighty C3 Silverwater Church. This is good. This is really good. And uh, uh, the reason that your pastor Nat was with us is that we actually had her speaking at our women's conference and that at our Coolum campus. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you ever have this, but, but it was actually ended up being quite a depressing week after she left because everyone on our team is like, Nat Taylor's such a beautiful person. Nat Taylor's so encouraging. Nat Taylor's amazing. And it was kind of, it kind of got a little bit like, why can't you be more like Nat Taylor, Pastor John? That was pretty much what was going on at our church. And, uh, and uh, we had, uh, also we had Amanda come as well. Where, where is Amanda around here? Where are you? There you are, Amanda. You came along and have, have you left, left the, your husband behind. And, uh, and, and uh, he looked after the fort and the kids and you went and drank cocktails on the beach. No, you went and preached and was part of the team and went to our women's conference. And uh, this, you know, this is, this is just one of the great churches in our movement. This uh, Silverwater campus is one of the great, we, we hear all these reports of people who are meeting Jesus in this church. Give me a wave if you met Jesus or you gave your life back to Christ in this church. Give me a wave. So many people. Fantastic. I love that. And uh, yeah, come on, give the Lord a clap. That's what we're all about. And, uh, you know, I love, that. I love that. For me, church is all about reaching people who don't yet know Jesus. That, that's the main reason we exist. When we get to heaven, we can sing Kumbaya. Uh, we can fellowship till the, till the cows come home, or they may already be home, or they might not have got into heaven. I'm not sure on your theology, but I'm thinking there's got to be meat in heaven, so the cows will probably come home. Just Anyway, that, that was just a side thing. Uh, but, you know, we can worship, we'll, we'll, we'll sing, we'll play rugby league, obviously, uh, we'll, uh, a bit of AFL as well. I'm from Victoria originally. Uh, we won't talk state of origin because I want to get out of here alive. Uh, but, you know, we'll do all these things, but the one thing we can't do when we get to heaven is we can't reach our friends for Jesus. Once the day comes and we stand before this judgment seat of Christ, that's it. There's no more second options. And so we need to be people who give all of our focus and all of our energy and everything that was within us to win people to Christ, help them become great disciples, and then empower them to be part of that journey for somebody else coming to Christ. Pay it forward. Pay it, turn, turn to your neighbor and say, we've got to pay it forward. It happened for me. We've got to pay it forward. 
So this is uh, Hartley and Nat, uh, 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 actually the area directors for Northwest Sydney. And uh, when we became the national directors a few years ago, one of the first things we said is we want to get these guys to become area directors, overseeing about 15 churches because they're amazing. They've got such a great spirit. And uh, we're delighted. Come on, give them a big clap. So good. So good to see uh, so many great faces here. That I was telling before, Mick Sabat, Mick and Rhonda Sabat. I, I hear that as like an expression of awesomeness everywhere I go. People want to, in fact, I looked up the dictionary and I looked at awesome and there was a photo of Mick and Rhonda right there. It's quite amazing. You should check that out. Uh, really quite powerful. And it's good to see Brett and Scotty here just, you know, doing uh, healing people everywhere. All around our movement, ministering is so good. So just a great team. Uh, Mr. Dorian here in the front row. Uh, Mr. I'm engaged, is that right? Where is Mrs. I'm engaged? Is she here in the house today? Hello over there. It's good to see you. What's your name? Rose. So you guys, uh, how long, when are you getting engaged? Oh, you said February the 6th. Is that, did he get it right? Okay, so it's really good if you get the dates right together. And you've, you let him sit beside me tonight because he's looking after me. So thank you for your sacrifice. That's uh, uh, really good. But I hear great things about your youth ministry. I hear great things. Just, I hear so many great things about your church. And uh, this, this is awesome. The worship's been awesome. I feel like home. We're in a place like this uh, with, you know, the industrial vibe that's become the house of God. And how awesome is this place. So you've, you've done such a great job. Give the band a big hand. You guys can head off your seat. Thank you so much. So much, so much life in this place. It's such a good thing. Hey, uh, just for those of us uh, we've never met, and I apologize in advance, I, I would rather stay and say hello to everybody and meet you or pray with you, but uh, I just talked to Pastor Phil and he gave me some fairly strict instructions about, uh, about moving and heading over to, uh, to Oxford Falls. So it's, you guys are a part of such a great group of campuses around uh, Sydney. So, it's, so I will exit stage right, but Nat will be here, and she'll bring the power of God down and close the meeting a little later on. Is that right? That's awesome. Hey, uh, uh, just a little bit about me. I'm uh, 44 years old. I've, I've got a business background. I did a degree in accounting and marketing, uh, and uh, I started my own businesses, and I've still started some, sold some, still got one that I, I run, a manufacturing business that we sell stuff around Australia and overseas. Uh, my wife, Danielle, and we're co-senior ministers of our church. Uh, she is the brains and the beauty of the organization. Uh, she is a qualified or registered, or not registered anymore, but she's a qualified midwife, uh, which means she has a deliverance ministry. <laughs> boom, boom. Yep, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's one of my best right there. And, uh, and so she's no longer doing that, although she did deliver, deliver someone in, in our church's kid in the backseat of our car. Oh, man, and I got the duty of washing it up, and it was not pretty. Three times to car lovers, and eventually I got a professional in after a few days. Not pretty at all, but uh, anyway, she's not delivering babies anymore, but she's delivering souls out of darkness into light. That's what she's doing. Uh, we got uh, three kids, three kids, Jackson, who's, uh, who's 18 years old, doing an internship at, at, at our Bible college and, and church, Mitchell, who's 16 and who's uh, brought about 15 friends to Christ in the last few years from his school. He's a real little under the radar. And he's competing with his little sister, who's 12, Gemma. And she's, quite, she's in about the 13. So there's a little bit of a soul-winning comp going on with our kids right now. And, uh, you know, we're, we're slightly competitive, our family. Uh, but that's okay if it's for the kingdom, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Is anyone competitive in the house here today, apart from Pastor Nat, who's competing with our church right on our tails? That was awesome. I love that. That's awesome. Very, very good. All right. You know what? Um, I'm going to preach tonight about something I haven't preached a lot about, and it's, it's, it's the last of your series uh, in the Happy or Beautiful Attitudes. All right. Who's been enjoying the Beautiful Attitudes series? The, the Attitudes from Jesus for living a life of purpose and of the blessing and the smile of God on our life. If you have these attitudes. And so the last one I've got here uh, that I'm going to talk about tonight is out of Matthew chapter 5, and it's verse 10. And it says, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. Everybody say persecuted. This is going to get heavy, but it's okay. We'll come out the other side. Uh, Those who are persecuted for doing right for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. That tells me if you're persecuted for doing the right thing, then the kingdom of heaven, which is what Jesus uh, announced is coming to earth, is there's going to be an experience of heaven on earth for the person who is persecuted. Not Not just something when we get to heaven, but, but an experience of the kingdom of heaven, of joy, of peace, of righteousness in our life, okay? Blessed are those who are persecuted. And then it goes on, it says, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things about you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. Okay, now it's not at the kingdom of heaven. It's in heaven, all right? A great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Now, interesting concept, interesting topic. I've talked to some people who said, you know, um, the police pulled me over for speeding. I'm being persecuted. Can I tell you, if you're doing the wrong thing and you get in trouble for it, that is not persecution. That is actually called justice. But we'll move on from there. (laughs) We'll move on from there. Uh, on the way back to the other side of town, Joel, let's hope we don't get persecuted. Uh, and so, so persecution, what Jesus is talking about here, uh, happy are those who are reviled, happy are those who are put down, those who are, who are mocked, those who uh, slanderous words are spoken against you for righteousness' sake, for being a follower of Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, let, let's just get, it says at the end of this passage, remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. So I, wanna, I want us just to have a little bit of a look at the history, if you like. I'm not going to go too deep in it, uh, into this world, but I want us to get a little bit of a, a sense of the weight, if you like, or the, the, uh, the, what has gone before us. So firstly, we know Jesus says this in John 5, verse 16, uh, the Jewish leaders began persecuting or harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. Jesus got persecuted by the religious ones, okay? And they were, more, they were more about the rules than about the fruit of what was going on. And so, you, you know, as Christians, we can be persecuted by those who actually have religious or are well-meaning, but it's, it's actually not looking at the fruit of what we're doing. And so Jesus was that. He goes on and he says uh, in John 15, verse 20, you remember what I told you? Slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. So Jesus, as well as saying, you'll be blessed when you're persecuted, he said, it's going to happen to you. If they listen to me, they'll listen to you. Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who was one of the great persecutors. The Apostle Paul, if he was alive today, he would, you know, in, in a lot of ways, he was a modern-day ISIS person. With religious fervor, the Bible said, with murderous threats, he persecuted the Christians. 
throwing them into jail, throwing them into gladiator rings, overseeing their stoning and their killing. He was driven with a religious demonic fervor to persecute Christians until he met the, the Jesus. And when he met Jesus and he had this encounter, it transformed his life. God got a hold of him because he was a zealot. God, God was looking for someone who had passion and fervor and drive. And so he got in and he turned his life around with an encounter. And he took that gift that was in him but was being used for evil. And as Maxwell Smart would say, he took it from being evil to make it work for good. And so the Apostle Paul became one, the persecutor becomes one of the greatest persecuted in our Christian faith history. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 12, 13, and many other scriptures, he says, we work wearily with our own hands to earn our living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us, yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash right up to the present moment. The Apostle Paul experienced the persecution, if you like, of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, interestingly, though the Bible doesn't specifically spell out what happened to Jesus' disciples, we can quite accurately look uh, historically at what happened. And I'm going to just go through what happened to a number of Jesus' disciples mostly because the scripture we started with said, remember the ancient prophets and the persecution. I think it's actually good for us every now and then to draw back and go, those who have gone before us have, have, uh, you know, have um, seen such a value on what Jesus did and put such a value on their faith that they were willing to die for their faith. In fact, probably from an apologetics point of view, probably from a logical explaining Christianity point of view, one of the most powerful um, uh, reasons things that will demonstrate to you and I that Jesus really lived, because that's, historians will not argue with that. He's one of the most attested persons in history. Jesus really lived. He died and rose again. And anyone who says, oh, he didn't rise again, well, why would people in their right mind say, I witnessed him rise from the dead, and I'm prepared to die for what I witnessed? If they were just making it up, when it came to the crunch of being a martyr and dying for their faith in the resurrected Christ, I would say if I was trying to perpetuate a lie and start something new that wasn't based in truth, then when it came to giving up my life for it, that would be the point I would check out. But the fact that, our, that the Christian um, lineage, if you like, or our heritage has been paved with the blood of martyrs tells me that the reality of the resurrection of the Son of God has truth and has, a, has some weight behind it. So let, let's just look. Go on, give the Lord a clap. That, that's worth it. So Matthew, the, the apostle, as, this is what they tell us. He was suffered martyrdom in, in Ethiopia and killed by a sword. Uh, Mark died in Alexandria, Egypt, after being dragged by horses through the streets until he was dead. Luke was hung in Greece as a result of his tremendous preaching to the lost. The only one of the apostles who lived to die in his own age was the apostle John, but he miraculously survived boiling in a huge basin of boiling oil. And he, he miraculously survived it. Uh, the apostle Peter was crucified upside down on an X-shaped cross, according to church tradition, because he told his tormentors he felt unworthy to die the same way as Jesus Christ his Savior. James, who we, we um, uh, uh, believe to be the brother of Jesus, the head of the church, was thrown over a hundred feet down from the southeast pinnacle of the temple when he refused to deny his faith in Christ. They discovered that he survived the fall, so they beat him to death with a club. 
Um, James the Greater, so the, the other one, the brother of John, James and John, um, was beheaded in Jerusalem. In fact, the, the amazing story about this James is his guard, he began to witness to his guard. And he began to tell him why he had such a confidence in going to have his head chopped off and why he believed what was going to happen the moment he died. And because of the compelling testimony of this man facing death without fear in his heart but boldness and confidence, his tormentor, his guard, actually professed faith in Christ, gave his life to Christ, and went, and he was also beheaded at the same time. Talk about being on mission to win the world to Christ. Uh, we go through Bartholomew um, was martyred for his preaching. Uh, he was, okay, flayed to death by a whip and then crucified. Andrew was crucified on a cross. It is said that these are the words that he had on his final death. I have long desired and expected this happy hour. The cross has been consecrated by the body of Christ hanging on it. They say that he preached to his tormentors for the two days that he hung on the cross until he died. He preached about the grace of Jesus Christ and the power of the gospel to save people's lives. Uh, Thomas was stabbed with a spear in India. Jude, the brother of Jesus, was killed with arrows. Barnabas, uh, one of the 70 disciples, uh, was stoned to death. Philip was crucified, according to the plaque in the church of the holy apostles. The apostle Paul endured lengthy imprisonment and eventually was beheaded in a prison in Rome because of his faith in Jesus Christ. Now, that's, that's just the disciples who lived and were the firsthand accounts and witnesses of Jesus Christ. And they felt, that, they felt it a privilege and an honor to lay down their life for Christ. Now, we could, we could, you know, pull out the Fox's Book of Martyrs. I used to read that as a kid if I ever needed freaking out. Uh, just little, little bits and moments. Not, not to feel guilty about my comfortable Western life. That's not the aim of this. But to stir a fervor and a passion inside of me about the, the, the weight and the, the nature of the reality of eternity being in the balance for you and I as followers of Jesus and to get ourselves out of lukewarm zone into passionate zone of following Christ. So here's what we've got to understand. So the, the, what Jesus said, remember the ancient prophets, remember what they've been through. Hebrews 11 tells us, Hebrews 12 tells us this, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Andrew's in heaven right now, he's on the balcony and he's watching you and I. Peter's watching you and I. The apostle Paul is watching the lives that we live. James is watching the, 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 the prophets, Moses, Abraham. They're watching the lives that we're living. We're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. This is what it says. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us. So it's sin which will trap us up and cause us to fall short of God's purpose for our life. But it's also the weights, the things that are okay, but they're not sinful, but they're just slowing us down because we're getting caught up in the spirit of this world rather than the spirit of Jesus Christ. Let's lay them all aside, it tells us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, in modern Australia... Persecution is, uh, you know, in one level, we're kind of, we would be kidding ourselves if we were to compare the, the persecution that, that's going on even right now around the globe. The things that so many of you may, may have first or second-hand accounts of the persecutions that Christians are finding around the world in different countries and, and, and varying degrees is touching different ones of us. 
But there is a reality to persecution here. So I'm not, I'm not going to put a weight on what we face, but persecution is still real. I want to just talk about a few things that may well happen when you become a follower of Christ. It may, the persecution may well come from family. You, you may find when you put your faith in Jesus Christ that your family turns their back on you, disowns you, disassociates from you, uh, calls you crazy. Jesus had this. It tells us that there's a part where he's starting to preach and, and miracles are happening and the, the scriptures tell us that there's the, the, the brothers and sisters and mothers send a message, Jesus, what are you doing? Come home with us. You're embarrassing yourself. And Jesus answers and he says, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And he says it's essentially those who, who are following God and following along with me. It, it's like in that sense, their persecution, there may be a cost for a season or a long season, or it might be till eternity in terms of family, but Jesus promises this. He promised the disciples. He said, we've given up land, houses, families, brothers and sisters for you. He said, you'll get a hundredfold return here on earth and in eternity. The house of God, the family that you're sitting with becomes tighter than blood. It becomes deeper than even the blood ties of family because there's something when we're born again, we have a new identity, a new DNA. Your DNA is my DNA if we've been born of the Spirit of God. We're family. We might not look alike, but we've got the Spirit of Jesus Christ living inside of us, and that is thicker than blood, my friends. We've got family in this place. So the, the persecution may be isolation. The persecution may be something quite powerful as mocking at school, university, at work, where, where people find out you're one of those. You're one of those churchies. You're one of those born againies. You're one of those Bible bashers, whatever it is. And when people find out about us and we, we cross over that awkward little moment of when someone says, what did you do on weekend and on the weekend? And for the first time, you're like, you know, if you say it, you're going to be in that camp. You're like, you know what? I had the greatest time. I went to church. It was amazing. I love it. That simple statement, it puts you in the group of the weird, of the isolated. For some people, it's trendy. But for the majority of people, it's weird. To the natural man, the Bible tells us, they don't understand the spiritual man. To them, it's foolishness. How could you go to church and worship? Read the Bible. It makes no sense. Of course it makes no sense. It makes no sense because they're not alive spiritually. When you become alive spiritually, it all makes sense. That's why Jared Hain can, can confound them all when they say, what are you doing? Are you partying tonight? And Jared's like, no, I'm going to stay home and read the Bible. And they're like, What? You idiot, no, that makes no sense. Well, it makes no sense just the same as if you're sitting at home trying to get Fox TV, but you've got no satellite dish on the roof. It's, you're not you're going to have the TV with no signal. It would be crazy. But when you get born again, you get the signal. You get the dish on the inside. Now the Bible comes alive. Now spiritually, you're connecting to God. And so people aren't going to get it, but there's a moment. You're gonna, you will be isolated. You will be uh, set aside, and that's a, that's a way that persecution, especially when we, there's a human desire to be accepted, to not be put aside. So when we start to get rejected, either overtly or sub subconsciously by people, it, can, it grinds on us. That's, that's a form of persecution. Maybe it's just a stigma or a, an uninclusion that suddenly happens. 
I grew up in Victoria uh, playing AFL footy. I moved to Queensland, played league. I went back to Victoria, played, uh, played AFL footy. And something would happen uh, at the end of, of, of the football. Everyone was getting changed. There'd be a sausage sizzle. We'd be playing darts. And a few times, some of the guys thought it would be a great idea to put some X-rated movies up on the screen. And the X-rated movie, and that, so as soon as I'm like, uh-oh, I'm out of here. And I just went to the coach and said, hey, I've got to go. I'm not into that. I'll see you later. I know that puts you in a certain camp. That puts you in a certain way of thinking. It causes people to start to treat you different or think differently about you. But that, and so that kind of stigma that gets attached to you is part of persecution. Low grade, but that's part of the cost of following Christ. Rather than conforming to the world but being transformed by the values on the, of the inside, the Spirit of God. Uh, it may be the media mocking. You're part of a movement uh, where people have lined us up and uh, lined up your pastors, Phil and Chris, and our movement leaders. And I think there's about seven hate e uh, websites right now. Don't go on them. It only get, helps their Google search. Uh, but there's about seven of them right now that, that want to pay out. And, want to, and sadly, from religious people, I call them keyboard Pharisees. Uh, people who are just trying to pull down things, pull down and criticize for the work of the gospel, for the work of Jesus. Or, or sometimes it's the, 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 the God-hating mainstream media, and they try, to, they try to pull not just our pastors, but us, because we're part of a group of people. My ultimate question with that, if you ever want to know how do you, the Bible says this, you judge them by your fruit. So you look, you look and you go, okay, well, who's winning people to Christ? Where are lives being transformed? Where's the churches being planted? Where, where is their fruit? If that's the fruit, then be very careful getting on your keyboard and starting to throw fiery darts at the inside. So th these are some of the things that we wear. All right, we're doing okay. There's just some, some persecution. So how do we respond, ultimately? What's the Bible tell us? How do we respond to varying levels of persecution that we might, that we might experience? And of course, probably for most of us, the, the greatest kind of persecution we're going to experience is, is demonic opposition to our walk with God. It's not so much voices that are out loud, but it's a feeling. It's an obstacle. When you become a, a believer, you start to swim upstream. You start to go against the current. There's an atmosphere that comes against you. And so, so here's, here's some thoughts in terms of fighting the persecution. And one the first one is to recognize it's demonic. The devil hates Jesus Christ. As soon as you get Jesus Christ on the inside of you, it's like you painted one of those Ben Sherman targets on your chest. Uh, or you might have seen the other one, the, the, the target on the chest with the deer, and it's like bummer, bummer of a birthmark, Hal. Have you seen that one? Or the deer, it's, I don't know what, there was an old one. But, but as soon as you get born again, you've got that on you. You've got that mark on you. So you've got to realize that there, when Paul uh, fell off, the, off his horse, when he had the, the encounter with Jesus, Jesus said, Paul, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? See, when people persecute you, it's not you. It's Christ in you that the devil is persecuting. And so to understand that it's not you, it's, the, it's, it's not people, it's the devil. That's the second point. So recognize it's demonic. The second thing is, it's not people. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We rest with principalities and powers, spiritual forces that hate Jesus in us, and they want to discourage us, shut us down, and push us back. So we, when we recognize that, everything changes. Instead of being against people, we can adopt the spirit that Jesus says adopt, and he says pray for them. 
pray for people. Pray for God's blessing. Pray that they'll get free from that thing around their life. Pray that they'll lose that antagonism. That, that, but at this, at, uh, pray for them and love them. It's the opposite spirit that Christ calls us to have. You've heard the law that says, Matthew chapter 5, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Tonight, I, I want to encourage you, whatever level, maybe, maybe there's someone at work right now who's, who's bullying or picking on you, and you don't even really know why. Quite possibly, it's the Spirit of Christ in you that they're hitting and coming against. What do you do? You love them, you pray for them, and you bind the devil that's activating over their life, and you'll see people come free. Maybe it's a family member, and you need to stop fighting the family member and start fighting the devil, and stop loving the devil and start loving the person. Just get that switch around. Go, God, start to give me your eyes, your perspective. Let me realize it's not flesh and blood I'm fighting. I'm fighting against demonic powers. Or maybe the, the last thing, and I'm going to get the band to come on up with this, that the thought for me, that I really felt like where God wanted to take us tonight in terms of the blessed are the persecuted. Maybe it's sitting here tonight and going, you know what, there is a weight of people who have followed Christ and I'm, I'm, I'm not giving justice to the price that's being paid. Jesus talked about being hot or being cold. He said if you're lukewarm, if you've got a foot in both camps, if there's not a fire and a passion, if you're not hot, he said, I'd rather you be distant, cold, not, not with me at all, because if you're lukewarm, it's repulsive. And so my question here tonight, and it's a, it's a weighty question. I'm wondering, just as we're, st as we're sitting here tonight, I'm wondering, would you let the Holy Spirit speak to you? Can we close our eyes? I'm wondering, would you let the Holy Spirit speak to you right now with the great cloud of witnesses watching and say, God, Am I hot? Am I doing justice to the ones who have gone before me and laid their life down? Or am I living in this comfortable, what I can get out of it, Christianity? And I need to get a fire back. I need to live from an eternal perspective. So I'm wondering if right now, if that's you, you're saying, you know, John, God's speaking to me. He's speaking to me about not being lukewarm. I feel convicted about stirring up myself to live, not worrying what anybody else thinks. But I'm just going to simply ask if that's you tonight, if where you are in your seat, you'd stand and say, God's speaking to me tonight about not being lukewarm, but about getting a fire back in my life to live 100% for the gospel. Right now, wherever you are, if that's you, why don't you stand? I know God's speaking to some people here tonight. As different ones, just don't look around. God's speaking to you about getting a fire back in your life. I just want you to stand. Being 100% for Him. To me, it's about living with an eternal perspective. Some people talk about this. Will I regret this on my deathbed? Would I have thought I should have done more of this on my deathbed? Can I suggest that the deathbed's not the concern? It's eternity. When I get to eternity, will I wish I'd lived different? Will I wish I'd had more of a focus to live with passion? I know there's three or four more people you need. God's speaking to you right now. You need to stand.
wherever you are, would you stand? If, it's, if God's speaking to you, thank you. Numbers of people standing right now. Father, I'm praying for these ones who've had the courage to respond. I'm praying for a fire to come, a fresh fire, a fresh zeal for your house right now, a consecration to live a life worthy of our Savior Jesus. Let it be on every one of us, but especially these who are standing right now. Your presence and touch on them, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can grab your seat. Just I want to, while you've got your eyes closed, the most important moment, if you're visiting here or you maybe it's your second or third time or fifth or sixth time, if you're in this place tonight, while we've got our eyes closed, can I tell you that every one of us are going to face a moment, an eternal moment. Every one of us are going to have to stand before God and give an account for our life. And the, the question won't be, uh, were you a good person? Because God knows that none of us can be good enough to get us into heaven. That's why He sent Jesus. That's why Jesus came and He died in our place. He died for our sin. He suffered the punishment that each one of us should have suffered when God laid our sins on Jesus and He crucified Him in our place. And so when Jesus took that upon Himself, it was so that anybody who simply does this, who just simply turns from living their own way and turns to Him and puts their faith in Him and says, Jesus, I'll follow you. Any person who puts their faith in Christ and follows Him, the Bible says, will be born again. God's Spirit will come and live inside of that person. And that's what secures us going to heaven. Not being good, not church attendance, not giving to charity, not even saying some prayers all, of all of these things which are good. But ultimately, it's a faith in Jesus Christ. And when we put that faith in Jesus, the Bible tells us that He writes our name in the book of life as life comes to us, the life of God. So I'm wondering in this place tonight, if you're here and you've never actually prayed a prayer, you believe that God's real, which is awesome. But can I tell you, even the devil believes God's real. That doesn't make him right with God. That doesn't mean he's gonna go to heaven. You believe God's real, but you've never prayed a prayer, putting your faith in Jesus and turning from your way of living to his way. In a moment, what I'm simply going to ask you to do, if you want to do that, a friend's brought you, you've come along, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and we're going to pray a prayer with you real soon, inviting Christ into your heart. Maybe you've prayed that prayer once before. You've been a follower of Jesus, but you've slipped away from Him and you're not right with God now. You know He's not number one and it's time to come back to Him. If that's you, in a moment, I want you to raise your hand because we're going to pray together a prayer of recommitment of your life to Christ. Or maybe you're sitting in this place and you're just not sure when you die whether you're going to go to heaven. You hope you are. You think you are. But you're not confident in your heart. Can I tell you, thinking or, or hoping is not good enough. This is way too important. It's the most important thing you can ever do. To be right with God and to be assured of where you're going to spend eternity. So right across this place right now, if, if you're one of those three, if you're saying, John, I need to turn to God for the first time, put my faith in Christ. Or John... I need to come back to Him because I've drifted away from Him and I need to make Him number one again. Or I need to be sure I'm going to heaven. Wherever you are, if that's you, would you raise your hand and say, that's me. Thanks, man, I see your hand. Who else? Thank you over here, I see your hand. 
Who else would you raise your hand right now if that's you? Just say, tonight, I want God to come into my life. I want to be sure I'm going to heaven. If there's one more person, thank you, I see your hand. Is there someone else? That's three people. Is there one more person here tonight and you know you're not right with God and you can feel the pulling, the tugging of the Holy Spirit on your heart in this place? That's because God loves you so much. He doesn't want to leave, yet let you leave this place without making this decision and leaving here changed by His power. If that's you right now, I want you to raise your hand if that's you. If you haven't raised it just yet, would you raise your hand and say, John, tonight, I need a fresh start. I need to respond to God. I'm waiting for one more person right across the room. Who is that person? You haven't raised your hand yet, but you know you need to. I'm waiting for you right now. Eternity's in the balance in this moment. Would you respond to Him right now, wherever you are? Who's that person? Just lift your hand up. We're going to pray in a moment. We're going to pray in a moment. All right, that's okay. This is what we're going to do. Guys, can you open your eyes? There's three people who raised your hand. And in a moment, what I want to do, I'm going to ask you to come out the front. And Pastor Nat is going to pray with you, lead you in a prayer of inviting Christ into your heart. So simply, you don't miss this moment. When we stand together, we're going to clap. And those three people, I want you just to come and stand down the front. And Pastor Nat is going to pray with you. Can, you. can we stand and put our hands together for these guys right now as they come down the front? Come on down the front. Thanks, mate. Come on down the front. This lady here, come on down the front. Come on, give these guys a big hand. Awesome. Awesome, fantastic, so good. Beautiful. Hey, congratulations. Best decision of your life. Wonderful. Hey, why don't you come over this way and face me? And we're going to say a prayer together. I'm going to pray.